Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 1 John. We will be there in just a moment. I wanted to add my welcome to you all. Thank you all for being here on this Lord's Day. Uh, a beautiful day in a beautiful area of the world in which we live, and we're truly blessed to be here at this time. This morning I wanted to continue the lesson in our series on the idea of highest and best, and the... Um, the scripture I have quoted there from Proverbs 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. And the idea is we're looking at lessons of, of not only how we serve God, but how we can best serve God. What is the highest level of service that we can have uh, to our God? And so this morning I want to talk about fellowship, and I want to talk uh, with the idea of our best fellowship. We're going to go through this morning and define some terms, as is, is a typical of a kind of lesson like this. We're going to look at what fellowship means. Uh, it's a term where we, we come across a lot in Scripture, and, uh, and we have a, a good understanding of it. But as is with this series of these lessons, I want to see how is it that we can best um, uh, enjoy or or participate in fellowship. And so that's what we will look at this morning. How is it that we can uh, best be joined one another uh, in fellowship um, with our God? So let's talk about that this morning. Uh, let's start with some definitions. First of all, let's understand about the Greek word here that we're dealing with. There's a, a couple of other Greek words that are sometimes rendered as fellowship, but this is the one that's most the time uh, rendered as fellowship, uh, koinonia, and I'm no Greek scholar, but that's pretty close, I think. Uh, koinonia is the word here that's being translated, and uh, in the Greek it means communion, right? It means fellowship, there's our word, sharing in common. Um, again, another definition within the Greek, again, fellowship, association, community, there's communion again and joint participation. So as we go through these, keep in mind one, uh, a, a distinction um, that in, in uh, having something in common and then also uh, participating in something together with others. And both of those things are, are right and within the definition that we're talking about. But when we're talking about our best fellowship, I want to keep in mind what it is that we have in common. And that's where I think our best fellowship comes from. So we'll, we'll, we'll go through that, um, keep that in mind. Um, it's some 19 times the New American Standard is rendered as contribution, fellowship, uh, participation, or sharing. So we can see that those concepts coming through there's something that we share in, something that we have in common. Uh, and something that we uh, participate in. If you look at um, modern definitions in, in English um, dictionaries, I think this is from the Cambridge Dictionary, I believe. Um, if you just look up the word fellowship, uh, it would say people with the same purpose. So that's important in what we're going to be talking about. Uh, same purpose, experience, or interest. So there's kind of the, the, the idea of the, the having these things in common, 
Um, and then the other part of that, are, or a formal organization of these people. That's kind of more the physical side of it, the proximity side of it. So we can have things in common um, in an uh, in a, in a idea kind of way, but there's also the idea uh, of coming together that's, that's expressed when we talk about fellowship. Another definition, a friendly feeling that exists between people who have a shared interest. So there's, in that definition, there's some, some mention of feelings. How is it we feel about one another? And that's important. Um, or doing something as a group. Again, there's the, the physical closeness that's, that's there also. So these things can exist at the same time. We have things in common, and then we also come together and participate in some things, and all of that is included under what we mean by fellowship. So let's talk then uh, about some ideas here that we see in Scripture. There's two really um, main groups, if you will, uh, main groups of people or with, with, with God in this instance where fellowship is, is expressed. First, we'll talk about the idea of fellowship with God. Um, and there's, within that, we can talk about the division in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Scripture speaks of each one of those, that we have fellowship with each one of those. And so with God the Father, we can look here in 1 John chapter 1 and see uh, that the, the fellowship is expressed by having that with God the Father. If you're there in 1 John 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and with our hands and handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be complete. As you see right there, there's, there's two mentioned there of the Godhead, the Father and the, and the Son. But there's mention there about having fellowship with God the Father. And it, when we think about that, and, and think about what John has just laid out there, you know, he, he is making an argument that he has seen... God through witnessing his son. That's the argument that he's laid out there. And he, he begins that in his, in his gospel account as well, about the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, so he is letting the readers know there that he has witnessed God through the manifestation of him through his son. And so in doing that, what has, what has occurred is that we, those who, us, who have put on Christ, who have entered into the kingdom, we are in a fellowship with God the Father. So what does that mean? Well, we just talked about our terms. We have things in common. We have a sharing. We have communion. All those things now are expressed with, we have that with God the Father. What a wonderful blessing that is. As I mentioned, there's also the idea of, uh, of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Look over in Philippians chapter 2. And, of course, we know that, that the, the Godhead is expressed in, in um, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But in the end, it is God we're talking about. God, the complete God, the, the Godhead. In Philippians 2 and verses 1 and 2, 
It says, if therefore there's any encouragement in Christ, these, Paul is, is asking some rhetorical questions here, which is a common way in which he, he writes, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose. So there's the idea of the fellowship with the Spirit. And he's asking those questions. If there is any encouragement, in other words, he's saying there ought to be encouragement. There ought to be a consolation of love. There ought to be fellowship of the Spirit, of course. And so not only is there a fellowship with God the Father, but there's a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We know what the Holy Spirit does is he has revealed God's word. He has given to us as a gift when we are baptized. As Peter makes mention there in Acts chapter 2, we baptize every one of you in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit um, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not only that, that gift, but there's a fellowship there. We have the things in common. We are joined together by common interests with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And of course, also, we are joined together in fellowship with Jesus himself. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I love this passage here. Um, if you're familiar with the Corinthian letter, Paul begins this by really laying out some things that he's going to talk to, talk about throughout the, throughout the letter. And he's going to praise them some, but more he's going to admonish them and tell them the things that they're doing wrong and, and give them instruction on things that they need to be doing wrong. But he starts off by telling them all these wonderful things that God has blessed them with. So in 1 Corinthians 1, beginning in verse 1, he says, Paul called it as apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling with all who are in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and the peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So right here in the beginning, there's the idea in verse 2 there of being sanctified, being set apart. And how is it that they are set apart? It says they are set apart in Christ Jesus, calling on them uh, by every name, their, their Lord and ours. So here's the idea that, that, that they're set apart, saw, uh, sanctified, and they're done so, we are done so through Christ Jesus. Then in verse 4, it says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only are they set apart, but they're not lacking anything. They've been given all the things that are necessary for them to establish a congregation, to establish the Lord's church, and to keep it going. And he goes on to talk about the spiritual gifts in chapters 12, 13, and 14 that they've been blessed with, and how to go about using those gifts and, and, and edifying one another and glorifying God. And he's, he's telling them right here, you've been given all that. You've been set apart. 
You're not lacking anything. God has provided everything to you that you need in order to serve him. Verse 8, here's the idea here. It says, who shall also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a protection that's, that's, that's mentioned there. But you're in Christ, and you're protected. You uh, confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you hold to these things that you've been blessed with, you're going to be confirmed. You're blameless. You will be uh, ready when the day of the Lord comes. And then in verse 9, it says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's our fellowship word again. And there's the idea of being in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. So all those things that they have been given, they've been set apart, they are not lacking in anything, they are protected um, if they remain faithful to God. And all that brings them into fellowship, brings them and us, too, into fellowship with Jesus Christ. So there's the sharing, the things that we have in common, um, the, the, the communion that we have, the, 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 the desire to, to be of the same mind. That's all in fellowship with God. What a blessing that is. And as you would understand and know, the other part of the fellowship is the fellowship that we have one with another. Look over in Acts chapter 2. So we have this fellowship with God, but there exists also the fellowship, and this is what we usually think of when we think of fellowship, the fellowship that we have one with another, the fellowship we have with each other. And the idea here is that there is an immediate acceptance of that when we are made a part of the Lord's body. When we become a Lord, part of the Lord's body, we are immediately accepted into the fellowship that we have one with another. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, again, this, I mentioned this a minute ago, that day of Pentecost when Peter stands up and gives that first sermon and, and uh, tells them that they put to death the Son of God and the men say to themselves, or say out loud, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's when Peter tells them to repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And verse 41, it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as one might have need. And day by day, with one mind in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with, one, with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You hear all the, the words in there that talk about having things in common? Sharing, fellowship breaking of bread together of the same mind. What's expressed there is, is the idea of fellowship. Immediately so. It says that um, those who, verse 41, those who had received his word were baptized, they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So there's the immediate acceptance 
There's the immediate um, bringing into the fellowship that we have one with another. And this is, it expresses it so well. This is, these are the first Christians. And look what they're doing. They kept feeling a sense of awe. They were sharing together in things in common. They were selling their properties. Um, they were in each other's houses, breaking bread, gladness of heart. That's fellowship. That's the fellowship that we ought to have, one with another. Recognizing uh, this wonderful thing that we have. And it's not just uh, among ourselves. Go back over to 1 John chapter 1. You know, the wonderful thing about the fellowship is, as we've already laid out, we've been brought into fellowship with God. And so it's not just that we have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with one another. We all have fellowship together. Each of us as Christians, each of us with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All that is included in the fellowship. In 1 John 1, beginning in verse 3, it says, What we have seen and heard proclaim to you that we may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We looked at this a moment ago in establishing the fellowship that we have with God. And verse 4 says, And these things we write so that you, our joy may be made complete. Verse 5, This is the message that we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not participate in the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we're, if we're straying, if we're not walking in the light, if we're not practicing uh, the will of God as we should, we don't have fellowship. We're out of that fellowship. We have to be walking in the light. We have to be living our life according to the will of God, what he has prescribed. So that's a, a requirement of being in the light, of having fellowship. But when we, do do, when we do that, we have fellowship, not only one with another, but also with God. So it's not separated out that we have fellowship here and then I have fellowship with God. We all have fellowship all together. And there's another idea about this, and that is the idea of putting our fellowship in action. Look over in Romans chapter 12. You know, God does not expect us to be passive in our service to him. This wonderful thing that we have that he has granted to us in fellowship that we have simply by becoming a member of the Lord's church. That is a wonderful thing that is bestowed upon us that we have that fellowship. But God expects us to be active in that. He expects us to exercise this blessing that we have one with another. In Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, Rejoicing in hope, perseverance in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. You see, that's putting our fellowship in action. It is one thing to have things in common and, and to uh, enjoy that and, and have communion in, in an in a, uh, intellectual way. But we've got to put it in action. That's why it's important to think about you know, the participation of that fellowship. 
That's why we come together on the first day of the week, to participate in those things. And that's why passages like this help us to understand that the fellowship, the feeling that we have is important, but it's got to drive us to action so that we practice hospitality. We contribute to the needs of the saints. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. There's the practice, putting it in practice. Verse 17, never repay back evil for evil. Respect what is right in sight of all men. If possible, as far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. That's part of our fellowship, that we celebrate that, that we have these things in common, and that we don't pay back evil for evil, but we live peaceably amongst men, and especially our brethren. Verse 19, never take your own vengeance, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's putting fellowship into practice. The mindset behind it is we have these things in common. And we are sanctified and given that wonderful blessing of being in fellowship, not only with one another, but with God. So how do we go about putting it in action? That's how we do it. Putting others preferences above our own, serving others before self. That's how we put it in action. I want to wrap up with just a few thoughts here about our best fellowship. First of all, we need to understand and recognize that we are in fellowship with God. God the Father, and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we might lose sight of that and and especially when we talk about fellowship, because we can understand fellowship on an on a earthly plane. But do we stop to think about that the fellowship that we have transcends that to the heavenly plane? Scripture tells us that. What a wonderful thing that is. And we need to recognize that we are in this fellowship together. Not just amongst ourselves on the human plane, but with God, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That ought to drive us to uh, make sure that the things, that we, so if we have something in common, as is in the definition of fellowship, what do we have in common with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Well, it ought to be those things like righteousness, like service above, above everything else, serving others before self. Um, all those things that, that God would have us to do, we need to have those things that God does for us. Think about what he has done for us. We need to have that in common with him. Understand that fellowship extends beyond physical proximity. We have a fellowship here in, at Cortez amongst ourselves, but it extends further than that. It really extends to all the saints. If we have that in common, what do we have in common with saints all over the world? <laughs> we have our faith in common with them, don't we? We can travel about, we can uh, vacation, and where we live uh, in this part of the world, we have a lot of coming and going, don't we? We have a lot of people who are here seasonally. Um, and when we travel, we can seek out and find those who are, are seeking to serve God, and we have fellowship with them because we have those things in common. So it's not bound just by physical proximity. It is amongst the household of God. 
And that should be celebrated and appreciated. So that when we do travel and we go to other places and, and meet Christians, we have so much in common already. We have the desire to serve God. And that's first and foremost in all of our lives and should be. So let's, let's change our language a little bit. And I've been guilty of this in the past, and I'll be the first to admit it. Um, We've probably heard this ex expression before about coming together to fellowship. And like I said, I'm guilty of saying this in the past. That let's get together in fellowship. Well, aren't we already in fellowship? Why do we have to come together to do that? Now, it's important for us to come together to do those things and to, and, and to participate in the corporate worship, the, the, you know, the, us being together and worshiping together. It's important, it's prescribed, and that is part of our fellowship. But we can come together uh, to do anything. We can come together to, to have a Bible study in someone's home or, or to, to come together for a meal, um, come together and get songbooks out and sing to each other, which is a blessing and a wonderful thing, or just come together and, and go out for lunch with someone. And in so doing, what we do is we can come together to celebrate our fellowship. And to me, that, that hits at the heart of it. We don't come together to fellowship. We come together to celebrate the fellowship that we have. When we come together on the first day of the week, we can celebrate the idea that, that we have this in common, that we have been set apart by the, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we are in fellowship with him and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So we come together to celebrate that. Or if we come together to in someone's home to, to have a meal and maybe a singing or a Bible study, we're not coming together to fellowship. We're coming together to celebrate the fellowship that we already have. So I hope that this will help us in understanding you know, our best fellowship. We are searching out those ways we, in which we can best serve God, how we can best do all the things that he would have us to do. And so let's think about our best fellowship, one with another, with God. And we're not bound by physical proximity. There are things, of course, of the local congregation that are unique to that congregation. But we have a fellowship amongst all saints. So when we come together, let's not think about we're coming together to fellowship. Let's think about we're coming together to celebrate the fellowship that we already have. I hope this lesson has been encouraging to you. As was mentioned in lots of the readings that we have, how we are set apart uh, to participate in such fellowship is through the blood of Christ. He has been sacrificed and has been uh, hung on that cross to die for our sins, but he was resurrected. And we come in contact with that through baptism. In Romans 6, Paul talks about this so beautifully. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we might walk in newness of life. We spoke about that last week. What a blessing to wash away those sins and walk in newness of life. That's how we come in contact with it. That's how we come into the fellowship, one with another and ourselves, one with another with God. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to make the necessary steps and the changes in your life to do so. 
And if as a child of God you realize that you need to do more and to do better, I encourage you to do that as well. If you need the prayers of the congregation, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.